this is Solving Problems and Starting New Ones, a show that tries to be an incubator of great ideas and a place to challenge popular wisdom. And today, we're talking about the riot at the Capitol, voter fraud, voter suppression, and we answer the question of, was Lincoln a great president? And you'll get all this from a guy on the street perspective. But before we begin, subscribe to the show, follow us on Facebook, and share the show with 10 of your friends. Do it up. And before I do anything, we got to hop into our 2021 post-apocalypse update of... 2021. Well, I kind of called it by saying the fire was out, but the embers were still burning in the last episode as far as the election was concerned. So let's talk about the riot at the Capitol. And I have combative arguments with myself when it comes to this. On one hand, it's about time they kind of had it coming as far as the kings and queens are concerned. And listen, spare me how upset you or mainstream society is about all this. Did they burn down 150 businesses in Minneapolis? Did they blind multiple police officers? Did they cause over $2 billion in damages? Did they have every mainstream media refer to the riots as mostly peaceful protests, or just flat out ignore it? During the riots, did over 30 people die, including a retired police captain we talked about in episode 15? Did they leave a trail of poverty and more homicides like what happens to every city where there's been, a, been riots, sometimes referred to as the Ferguson effect? Did they burn down police stations? Did they take over a six-block area in Seattle where two people died and had multiple reports of rape, according to the mayor? Did activists come to the defense of robbing small business owners as reparations? Did they block a street, and if cars tried to drive through, they'd be taken out and beaten, sometimes with their children in the car? Did they have a group in uh, Princeton University put a study together to show how overwhelmingly peaceful the protests were, only to embarrass themselves by prov- proving the opposite, showing that there were 570 Violent riots in nearly 220 locations, only to have all or most of it end when the election went their way. Was the riot referred to as civil unrest when it was political anarchy? Did they try to pour quick-drying cement on the door of a police station as they tried to burn it down? And so forth and so on. So if you're not just as upset by all that as you are about the riot at the Capitol, you have a condition. On the other hand, what the hell was the game plan here, you know? And before I dig into this, there's been a lot of excuses being made that it was all BLM or Antifa. And no, we're not playing that game. Were there some? Sure. Going by what I saw in some videos with there being a certain level of professional instigators and there's a dude with the hammer and sickle tattoo. So a few, sure. But there's plenty of evidence during the BLM riots that some right-wing people got their hands dirty, according to police records. But we're not playing this game. Everyone should take ownership of their stupid actions, not make excuses. So, what was the game plan here? Storm the Capitol building and do what? What were, they, what were they hoping to accomplish? Overturn an election that Trump lost? And we'll get into fraud in the next segment, because fraud or no fraud, Trump lost, and it's his fault. So what were they going to do? People got killed for the orange guy. And honestly, what's there to be upset about? There's 3,100 counties in America, and Republicans control over 2,600 of them. Start local. Organize local. They haven't even gotten on the playing field yet. They say land doesn't vote, people do, but you still control a shit ton of land. You have the ability to create whatever society you want with not a whole lot of effort, just teamwork. Instead, riot with nothing to gain, everything to lose. If you don't think they're going to slam another Patriot Part 2 right up our asses because of this, you're sadly mistaken. And this has been your 2021 post-apocalypse update of 2021. All right, all right, let's talk about voter suppression, voter fraud, and our segment called Voting in Politics. Now, let's talk about the 2020 election. 
Did voter fraud take place? That really isn't the question that matters because unless you have a picture of Hillary Clinton dressed as the Hamburglar with a sack full of votes, then you ain't turning over shit. It's over. It was always over. Even if Biden came out right now and said, yep, I committed voter fraud because Trump is a threat to our democracy. How many people would change their mind? No one. The corporate media would agree and voters wouldn't move from their position. If anything, Biden would probably gain support just because of the rare sight of honesty in politics. If everything happened the way the press says it happened, then Trump lost and it's his fault. He scares the shit out of women. If there was voter fraud, then Trump lost and it's still his fault. Which leads to this whole segment. What I'm going to do is explain what I meant by that last statement and explain voter fraud and voter suppression all while producing solutions along the way because that's how good I am. We're going to cover around seven different topics, so listen up. But before we get to all that, let's go over the list of problems and solutions brought by the uh, advocates of uh, voter suppression. Their six major problems are voter ID laws, purging voter rolls, uh, short election hours, long lines, confusion on eligibility, and not enough voting locations. And four of their major solutions are mail-in voting, early voting, same-day registration, and automatic voter registration. All right, so I'll address all that and voter fraud and the solutions. Here we go. First thing we'll address is voting machines. Now, after the election, you probably heard the words Dominion voting machines brought up and under scrutiny. But did you know this isn't the first time that company has been put under a microscope? And if you didn't know, then maybe the president should have put down his cheeseburger milkshake for a second and raised awareness before, not after, before the election. Senators Amy Klobuchar and Miss Elizabeth Warren, among other Democrats, sent letters out to a private equity firms that had controlling interest in the three biggest electronic voting machine vendors, which includes Dominion. They expressed their concerns about the security of the voting machines. Along with that, there was the Department of Homeland Security in January of 2017 that designated the election infrastructure as critical infrastructure, which means it's a problem that needs to be dealt with immediately. And this was a week before Trump was sworn in, so he had plenty of time to fix it, but he didn't. A lot of fears of hacking into voting machines over the past few years subsided when voting machine companies stated there is no way to hack these systems from an outsider because they are not connected to the Internet. At least that's what they told Congress when called out throughout the years. However, in Philadelphia in 2020, there was a poll watcher who also happened to be a former state senator that blatantly observed that the voting machines were connected to the Internet. And according to an NBC uh, investigation in 2018, there were over 1,000 voting machines connected to the Internet uh, during the uh, midterm elections. It was written about in January of 2020. Now, here's the thing. Did anyone see votes get electronically stolen? No. Could there have been? Sure. Could there have not been? Sure. Is there any way to prove it, you know, if there was fraud? Nope. This should have been taken care of well before the 2020 election. But it didn't. So here we are. So what's the solution? It's pretty simple. Paper ballots and automatic auditing or counting after the election. And hell, if you want to go for it, body cams for the people working at voting places. Good enough for the cops. Good enough for our elections. Topic number two. Voter ID laws. One should be issued to every voter taxpayer funded. Renewed every six to eight years, this is one of the six major problems voter suppression advocates have an issue with. There have been studies that show that voter ID laws lessen the turnout of voters. What these studies fail to show is that the reason may have to do with people voting who shouldn't be voting, former criminals who have lost the right to vote, and non-citizens, for example. 
If you think those groups should be able to vote, then push to change the law, but you can't just do whatever you want to do without consensus agreement. Also, voter suppression groups talk about problems with confusion of eligibility. Sometimes people show up to vote, and for one reason or another, it turns out they're not eligible. It's a tough topic to get into because every state's a little different. However, voter IDs would change that. You have a card, you're in. And another thing on this topic, when I hear voter suppression people talk about voter IDs, it gets brought up over and over again that voter ID laws are racist. The only thing racist about it is when mainstream experts think minority folks can't accomplish a task that white people can. Do people really think it's that hard? And if it is, shouldn't it be the only thing we focus on that is making sure everyone can get an ID in the minority community? Without an ID, you can't buy a car, rent a home, or get a job. I think getting a voter ID is, is pretty simple, regardless of your tint of skin. And it's racially ignorant to think otherwise. And lastly on the topic, it would end the argument about cleaning or purging the vote, voter rolls. That's when you go through all the registered voters on the state's list and take out all the dead ones and the ones who have moved. The fear of purging the voter rolls is that people who are eligible may be taken off the list, maybe by mistake or for nefarious reasons. With a voter ID, that's not an issue. Topic number three, ballot harvesting and absentee voting. Ballot harvesting is the collection of absentee ballots performed by organizations typically to help the elderly in nursing homes and Native Americans who may live in remote locations. However, every two years, people end up going to court or prison for tampering with the ballots. 2018, North Carolina, there was a big story. And someone just recently got arrested in Texas for tampering with the ballots in this last election through ballot harvesting. And she was caught only because someone was secretly filming her when she admitted it. When this happens, is it to the tune of millions of votes? No, but it's enough to screw people over during the primaries, which are typically close races. Not everything is about the presidency. But also, you have to consider there are plenty that don't get caught. Absentee ballots are mailed to people who are requested. It requires a witness and their signature. And then the witness drops off the ballot. That's how it should be in the law of the land in most states, but some states are more relaxed about requiring a witness, and that's where ballot harvesting comes in and can become corrupted. These are things Trump should have fought against on day one, but didn't. The solution to this is pretty clear. No more ballot harvesting, and absentee ballots should be for people with disabilities or reasonable reasons for not be, being able to vote in person. And this brings us to topic number four, mail-in voting. Voter suppression groups are for it, the other side, again. Let me read you a quote uh, from a while back and see if you can guess who it is. We're right to be on guard against voter fraud. Voter fraud would impinge our democracy. We don't want folks voting who shouldn't be voting. Let's all agree to that. Let's stipulate to that, as lawyers say. And the same person was asked, they're talking about people mailing in ballots. Do you trust the security, the honesty of such an election process? His response was, well, I think we'd have to figure out whether this is fraud proof. Well, if you don't know who that was, then it's just another reason that Trump messed up. The person who made those quotes was Barack Obama in 2008. Trump should have been playing these quotes over and over before, not after, the election. Also in 2008, CNN reported from a former DNC chairperson, Debbie Schultz. She said, mail-in ballots have wrong written all over it. New York Times also reported in 2012, error and fraud in mail-in voting was on the rise. These quotes could have possibly swayed public opinion and maybe the courts before the election. But more importantly to you and me, when you have mail-in voting, one of the rules is you need to have matching signatures. 
Well, the question you should be asking yourself is, who decide what matches? In 2018 uh, midterm election, 550,000 ballots were thrown out because of lack of signature validation. That's enough to sway plenty of local elections. The problem is, just like voting, the, the voting machine topic, it's tough to prove fraud. That's why mail-in voting is illegal in majority of European countries. That being said, there was a pandemic going on during the 2020 election, so what, do, what would have been a better idea to get through that rather than voting by mail? Remember, you got a lot of elderly retirees working at the voting places, and I don't care how much how you, your feelings towards COVID, it is indeed killing the elderly, so keeping them safe from the general population is needed. What should have been done if there was a drop of creativity in Congress is mail the ballots to all registered voters, have them fill it out at home, then bring it in on election day. Confirm that they are registered to vote, the ballot gets collected, then hand it off to a person who counts it. Ten seconds. Done. Next. If you're not registered to vote, then you just register with a, with a proper ID at another table. Then after that, you hand in your ballot. Voter suppression groups talk about long lines at the voting places. Well, there you go. Problem solved. If you really want to get creative, you could designate a street on election day and essentially create a drive-through voting process. Someone collects your ballot, makes sure you're registered, they hand you a cheeseburger and a large Pepsi, done. You voted, and you got dinner. The only exception for mail-in voting would be for the military. And that's it. Topic five. It's a brief one. Automatic voter registration. No. What's happening in California is... It's legal for illegal immigrants to get a driver's license. Make sure I said that right. Legal for illegal immigrants to get a driver's license, which is whatever. It actually helps them get car insurance, whereas before, if they smash into someone, they couldn't afford to pay. It is what it is, and we're not going to get into it right now. But when they go for a license, they are automatically registered to vote. It is illegal for non-citizens to vote, so you're setting people up to commit a crime. And they may not know they're committing a crime because they're automatically registered. So this is dumb. Topic number six, funding. This is the one area that both sides have agreement on, just not the kings and queens. The CARES Act from early 2020 gave taxpayer money overseas, more taxpayer money overseas, than on improving the functionality and security of the 2020 election. Where was President McTrump on that? More funding needs to be given to have more hours at the voting places, to be able to hire more volunteers, buy more voting machines to go along with uh, areas that have large populations, uh, pay for more, pay potentially for voter IDs if they want to go that way. This is where your tax money is supposed to go. I think everyone agrees to that, just not the people who can do anything about it. Last topic, early voting. I don't think there's a hill worth dying on for either side, but my view is election day should be election day. Everyone should have an equal amount of time to make the decision on who they want to vote for. People were casting ballots before the first debate only to have people try and change their minds and try and change their ballots after, which in some states you can't do. Make Election Day a national holiday. It should be a day of celebration, positivity, which would bring out more voters. Because even if your favorite candidate doesn't win, you still need to remember, there's a lot of countries on this planet that don't even allow you to vote. And in a country where a TV reality star or that QAnon chick from Georgia can win an election, or a guy who sleeps with Chinese spies or grumpy old commies can win an election, how bad can this country be? So, to recap, so we can bring our election system into the 21st century, paper ballots and automatic recounts, voter IDs, end ballot harvesting, no mail-in ballots but create a faster way to vote, 
no, no automatic voter registration, and funding for voting places. It's the one place we should be spending our tax dollars on, but we don't. And sorry, one more thing. Make Election Day a national holiday, but limited to no early voting. Had this been a day one mission for the Trump administration, there would have at least at least there wouldn't have been any doubts on the results. But what you gonna do? Storm the Capitol, I guess. But if we do decide to go with these seven steps instead, that should restore at least some faith in the election process. But everyone's a complainer, so probably not. All right, all right. This segment came to me when I was thinking, thinking, thinking of Abraham Lincoln. And I asked myself, was he as great of a president as everyone says? And I got to say, I think he kind of sucked. I think he was the worst. I, now, I'm not saying freeing the slaves and saving the Union wasn't a big deal. I'm just saying he did kind of get 750,000 American soldiers and civilians killed. That's more dead than in every American war combined. And not a single one of them owned a slave. Why the hell did all those people need to die? He also locked up 3,000 people, including journalists from the North just was speaking uh, against the war and against Lincoln. He had a Republican senator deported just for being against him. And this sets up the shit that presidents can do today during war times. With, with the 9-11 attacks, you get the Patriots Act, one of the most unpatriotic things ever written in a complete attack on liberty. If you look at this COVID-19 era as a wartime, uh, you get the CARES Act, one of the most uncaring acts ever put together and the largest transfer of wealth ever in history. Christ, listen, be careful if they have a pass like the, the Cute Puppy Dogs Act, because they'll probably come by your house and kill your dog. You've been warned. Back to Lincoln. I'm just saying, I don't think he's the hero everyone says he is. His soldiers robbed banks, burned down courthouses, raped women, killed civilians, destroyed crops, and you can read up on uh, Sherman's March to learn more. And it's not completely clear to begin with if the South wanted to leave the Union because of Lincoln's views on slavery, which I'm sure it was, and or did it have something to do with the tariffs that were being collected by, uh, at southern ports and spent by northern politicians. And those southern ports were important because that's where most of the money came in. Historians point out that Lincoln even said that he was willing to allow slave states to continue to own slaves as long as they stayed in the Union. Because if they did leave, that would have only left uh, the North with three ports for exports compared to the several down south. Even the Emancipation Proclamation wasn't created to help slaves. It was made to weaken the Confederate Army. One of the main reasons the South was crushing the North in the early part of the Civil War was because the Confederate Army would use slaves to, say, dig trenches or build forts, and they were able to do that faster than the North. Lincoln's goal with the proclamation was to take away that advantage. Now, I gotta wind this segment down because I can already hear, like, white-hooded men outside my doorsteps, you know, handing out pamphlets. Listen, I'm glad slavery ended, and I'm glad the North won. I'm just saying there were other options. But when you murder, rape, and leave large populations to starve to death because you burned all their crops, most of whom who didn't own a slave, if any, and didn't have anything to do with anything, that may lead to other problems, like the rise of the KKK or Jim Crow segregation laws as a form of retaliation. Around this time, slavery ended in England, Puerto Rico, Portugal, and other westernized areas, along with Brazil, which bought two and a half times more slaves than America, all of which ended without a war and had less severe problems after. Instead, Lincoln should have listened to the journalists instead of locking them up and tried to purchase the slaves from the South and granted them freedom in the North, which would have been cheaper than the entire cost of the Civil War, or followed the steps that other countries took. With that being said, this is a show about solving problems, so how would have I ended slavery if I was in Lincoln's shoes? 
Let's put it in perspective. As of today, 0.3% of the American population is descendants of slave owners. 0.3%. And for the record, Barack Obama is one of them, if you can believe that shit. So that shows you how few slave owners there were because you had to be rich to own a slave. So what I would have done is sent the 1860s version of the Navy SEALs into a couple of slave owners' homes and uh, put a few heads on a pike, you know what I mean? Leave a note that says Black Lives Matter or whatever rich white kids are hashtagging these days. Done. Here's the thing everyone forgets. Rich people like having their heads attached to their bodies. It's their one weakness. And more importantly, we could have avoided a lot of ugliness then and today. Now, this leads us to today's problems. And if you're a bit of a political junkie, you may have heard rumors of a Civil War II in the near future. And we know it's really the kings and queens dividing us, and they do that so we'll cling to one side of the government that we think is going to help us and protect us. But in reality, we're just handing them power by doing so. Now, just so we're clear, I'm not advocating violence. I, wouldn't, I would never on the show tell you to go after select members of those kings and queens. However, a couple of heads on a pike might avoid a lot of ugliness. All right, that's all I have for you today. If the show hasn't been canceled, we'll see you next month with a continuation of our series on border security with Chapter 3. This was Solving Problems and Stop No One's Challenge.